It is true, though. A very, very special <laughs> Gentleman's Dojo. Very special. We are so excited today because I have to my left Gary Cannon, as usual, Hello. from Detroit, Michigan. And joining us today in studio, one of my favorites, great comic, great podcast himself, Mr. Kevin Christie. Yep. Yeah. Really yeah. funny comic. Awesome comic. And today we will be interviewing Jim Lee. Probably my favorite artist, DC Comics, also Korean, which is awesome. Yeah. He came to the set of Sullivan and Son. Um, he is an immense talent, and we are going to interview him in just a few minutes. But we thought we—he's a legend. He's a—he's a legend. That's right. By the way, this is the first time in our uh, little uh, kind of uh, thingy that we've had a uh, guest sit in on our like a guest co-host mm-hmm. join us uh, to interview our guest. And Kevin's got a great show on this network as well, which I love. Occasionally awesome. He's yeah. one half. Oh, love Gary. That. He didn't even know who you were. <laughs> no, let's just be honest with you. But you cover that really well. And I, I have to admire <laughs> someone who can be like, I don't know anything about you. And then as soon as it comes on, just like, great guy. Like, that's that Regis Philbin gear where he's I like, turn this next guy's got a parrot that makes casserole. And he's excited about it. That's impressive. Um, love this guy. So Jim Lee, KC. obviously he is a huge artist huge. at DC. Yeah, he had his own company uh image for a while came back to dc is one of the head honchos he illustrates for justice league he's done hush uh uh, superman just everything he's unbelievable and and you know as much as i do if not more because you are and and by the way kevin so i can introduce kevin properly kevin did the artwork for champion my (laughs) my hour special it's on netflix right now anytime i bring it up gary uses any opportunity when he uses the bathroom he says i have to go take a champion so (laughs) but thank you so much and i said your artwork is seen in four homes around the country right now just so you know yeah yeah, yeah. absolute worst just so you know that that hard work that you put into that (gasps) but kevin's done artwork for the strokes who else have you done artwork for? uh the kings of leon i've worked for the new york times new york times magazine Uh, this guy's done it all i've been a fan for a while too kate (laughs) casey Casey, <laughs> would you shut the? You know what's so weird? It feels it feels the same as if he meant it. Like I'm being tricked by your delivery. Do you take like a public speaking course? Like so I, this guy, I feel. Shut up, no, no, it's like it's like when someone says I love you in a scene. You feel it, kind of. You know they don't, but you feel it. His best I, acting is not in front of the camera. I do. You're correct. I do. I'm throwing a little bit because I see your beard and I'm reminded of my ex girlfriend. Right. So it just throws me a little bit. Right. That joke bomb. Yeah. Um, so you can have before Jim calls in, <laughs> yeah, I can have it. Uh, do you guys want to discuss a- a- any of your, as you're growing up, comics you loved, comics you got into? Are you still into comics? Uh, Kevin, I know it's probably an Spec- easy. I mean, I got into you. comics, in, I mean, more or less because of Jim Lee. Like, Jim Lee, the first X Men I bought was a Jim Lee X Men. And right. that's what kept me buying it was his art. Because it was, it's it was cr- crazy to me. I yeah. was probably 13, 12 or thirteen, and uh, I got like forty dollars from my dad. I went to a comic book store and I bought. That's a healthy sum to go to a comic book. I store, had by yeah. The way. Well, I I I got paid for like wa- my dad was a school teacher, and I my job for like eight hours was to watch a bunch of like shitty kids while their parents were at like a <laughs> the t- all these teachers had to go to a conference on a Saturday, so I right. stayed in a room and made sure no one died, and I got forty dollars, <laughs> and I walked to the comic book store. And I bought $40 worth of comics, which was nice. like, I got like a graphic You're like Richie novel. Rich. Yeah, I, I walked in like, shut the doors, bitches! <laughs> like I, you know, it was a lot of money. And I bought a bunch of X-Men, and it, this is when Jim Lee had probably just started penciling them. And I mean, they were, to me, they were like mind bl- I couldn't wrap my head around someone being able to draw that well. Right. It, and I didn't understand what inking was in penciling, so in my mind, it was basically all him. And they were, I, like, stunning isn't even the word. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, around that time, he did this gatefold thing with X-Men where you connected the covers. Oh, right, yeah. And it was like an X-Men reboot. And like X-Men Volume 2, yeah, which was, he has the best-selling comic of all time. Yeah, and you that, could connect the, the covers, covers, yeah. which to my head, I was like, wait, how do you... How you a make, puzzle? You had, so you took a... different pieces of paper and you put them next to each other? You really <laughs> like, that shit? Like, it was... I couldn't... Like, you know, his drawing ability is... I mean, honestly, it's of like a re- like Renaissance artist level. It's just put into comic books. Right. His ability as an artist is incredible, and just his compositional skills mind blowing. Like he's one of the best ever. It's not. He is like a an actual legend. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, I mean, I made a list of things that I that learned you, to oh, draw. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to ask, too. Gary, how about you? Did, were you into comics as a— Well, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> let me just say, I, I played a lot of sports in high school, so I didn't really have time Canon. You know, to uh, to do that. I was getting laid a lot. And uh, let me just say this, boys. Um, Speaking of imagination. I was into— uh, <laughs> Creativity. Having his own— This guy's got a good podcast. Uh, <laughs> right here on this network. Fuck you, Nerdist. <laughs> You're not getting it. <laughs> You're not getting those four downloads. Listen, um, no, no, no. I, uh, I wasn't. I didn't really know about the whole comic book world, but I remember. I did remember meeting Jim when we were at uh, that club in San Diego. He came. To he the came show. to a show. We did the Sullivan Sun yeah, tour. Yeah, he came get, out with his wife. Came out with his wife to when, see the when show. we were there. It was the the night before Fourth of July. Yeah, and I remember we all drove down there, and that was my first time I met him. I, I didn't. He didn't come to the. I didn't. I wasn't there the night that he was there at Sullivan Sun. But um, I just remember after meeting him, trying to figure out like like in the bigger picture who he was and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing research on him because I remember he was such a big hero to you. Yeah. So I remember going back and looking at it and I was like, oh, holy shit, this guy is such a big deal in the whole comic book community. It was just crazy to me because I just wasn't, I mean, I mean, listen, Kevin knows and I mean, you know, there's a guy named Vito who know, I mean, so, knows so much stuff about it. Right. But I mean, you know, for you guys, I mean, that guy's just a huge deal. And when, when I finally got to meet him that night, it was, then it kind of became clear to me who he was and. Yeah, I think every decade you have your, you know, your Gretzky or your yeah. Montana or your Brady, and I think he's definitely. I mean, he is. He falls. I mean, when you right if, if you start making the list of greatest comic book artists of all time, he's in. He's on the list. Yeah, you know, he's he falls into that list of like Frank Frazetta and and Stanley and like all those people. Mm-hmm. It's like during his generation, he's definitely one of those guys for sure. Yeah. It's not even. He's first ballot Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no question. I, I got into it when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. I was grow I grew up in Pittsburgh, and they had this great comic book store called Ides. And mm-hmm. we used to leave the suburbs, which was the North Hills area, and go into the city, take the bus down there. And we, you know, I didn't have forty bucks. I had like four four to be bucks. Fair, or whatever. I only had forty dollars that one. <laughs> that time. one time. That one time. I know, <laughs> yeah, but stretched. But it. I got into Todd McFarlane. Yeah. When he was illustrating for the Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. And uh, his Gray Hulk was like, yeah, what the? And and like his spider web when when like when Spider Man would shoot the web, like this the web would shoot out, but then there were like spirals around, around the it, web, yeah. and it was like this is the coolest shit ever. Yeah, it was Todd just McFarlane's sick. hands were really something. But then the, the the difference I always felt the thing with with Jim Lee was he whereas a lot of especially in the '90s a lot of mm-hmm. artists I thought got were getting bogged down in style. And his and so the like the com like the composition wasn't as good. It was just all about like look at the the gnarly style you have, right? And but his anatomy was so good. It made it made all the characters look tougher because they looked more realistic, even though they were like fantastical characters, right? They looked more like as cl- closer to human beings. So they looked like you were like that person could kind of exist. Like Wolverine, obviously, like he made sure Wolverine looked like short and stocky. And you're like, okay, yeah. I can kind of imagine that guy actually existing, which inadvertently made him way tougher looking. Yeah, yeah, I gotta agree with you. I think it's a, you know, uh, you know, look when you see like Alex Ross's, yeah. you know, uh, it's like, oh, that's probably what he'd look like yeah. when you see that Superman, you know, circa 1950s yeah. kind of look. You're like, oh my god, that's as realistic, I guess, as you would get because he's painting it. But Alex Ross but, is using photo reference, whereas Jim Lee wasn't. That's right, what's yeah. so terrifying. Yeah, he was making this shit up. And look, I can make up people. They're not as good as his. Like, <laughs> there's he has a weird. It's probably like a board, basically a photographic memory, right? To where he just knows exactly what shit should look like. So when he's drawing, he's just like he's he's almost regurgitating photographs in his brain, as opposed to Ross, who's looking at a he, he still picture. Scrap. Like and I've then, seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of his models. He shoots photoscrap and kind of composes them. Ross is also stunning. Like crazy, but like it's it's a different gear, I think. And there's the speed. Alex Ross's comics. So I remember when they were coming out, they'd take way longer to show up. Whereas Jim Lee was putting out comics. Banging, yeah. You know, it's that. Like I met a guy in art school who, named Aaron Weisenfeld who worked for Image. Mm-hmm. And first of all, he was the same age as me. Where I was like, what the? How did you? You had a job in comic books already? <laughs> and, no, he, and then he was going to art school. It was terrifying. But he was like, yeah, you got to do a page a day. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, it's a really hard job. Right. You have to sit there all day. You have to crank out a really rad page every single solitary day. And you and it's not like a ton of money, but it's like a right. it's like a legit like sit at your desk 
all day job. And, and not only just bang out, you know, a page, but it's like, I mean, these sketches these days are so intricate. Because if you go into a comic book store nowadays, you just look down the... Before, it used to, you used to be able to go in, used to spin that rack around, yeah. and there were like 20 titles maybe, yeah. max. Yeah. And now you go in any store, and you just look down this long like grocery aisle, and for every even character you like, like like now with Star Wars, they have Lando Calrissian, they have Chewbacca, yeah. they have Princess Leia, they have Darth Vader, and they have Shattered Empire, and they have Star Wars. And it's just like you can't go in and just get Star Wars now. You got to get the whole cachet, I guess. Yeah. Superman, how many titles does he have? Spider-Man, how many titles does he have? So you think about the vast array of all these different comics, how they were kind of in competition with each other. And then you see all the illustrations that are one-upping and yeah. style and all that stuff. And they're all popping, and it's just these gorgeous works of art. And you're also ke- and you're not only competing with the comics on the racks, but you're also competing with the entirety of comic book history. Because no, co- very few comic book enthusiasts get into like one and don't start looking at old stuff. Yeah. So when I look at, I'm looking at all the artists, and so I'm like, well, how are you in comparison to these people? Where are you in comparison to these artists? Right. So I can't, the pressure you must feel when you're like, all right, let's, like, I'm, we're like, hey, you got the job of drawing Batman. You must be like, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, God. Or X-Men or, you know, the people that have done it have been so good to where you're like, okay, I guess it's my turn. Like, people are going to, ju- like, I would, I really was judgmental about, like, let me see your claws. How are your Wolverine claws? Because some right. people would draw some punk-ass like Wolverine claws that didn't look that sharp or didn't look like Jim Lee's. They looked like, like butter knives. Well, they were like too <laughs> wide at the end. Like they didn't. They look like swords. Whereas like his were pointy and like had this like like grit on them, like leftover blood. And you were like, right. dude, those are sweet. Like <laughs> they just looked gnarlier. Like yeah. The, it, but not. But at the same time, not like oh god, look. How, like some guys would get, and I don't want to name names, but some artists would get too into the claws. Where they made him right. too gnarly, and it was I was just like, okay, yeah, I get that you're about the claw, but then it has this weird balloon arm. Like, you spend too much time on the claw. I always felt bad in the movies when, like, Hugh Jackman is, like, pulling out his Wolverine claws, but he does. they got sheared off, so it's the bones, yeah. like, in, in the origin ones. Yeah. And then it's just like, Wolverine doesn't look that scary, because it looks like he has, like, an ingrown, three ingrown fingernails <laughs> just, like, jetting <laughs> yeah. out. It's like, he's not tough now. Yeah. It looks awful. Yeah. You went to a bad Korean nail spot. You do that bit, don't you? Is that you, the nail spa bit? Or that, no, that's Angela Johnson. Um, so, but what you were saying, <laughs> you're talking about the, the guy. Jesus. Uh, he's good, too. <laughs> you were talking about the guy. <sighs> he's good, too. That was the, go, remember, I'm going to go grab lunch you know while the, you two are you know the, each other off. You know the boom goes the dynamite <laughs> clip? You remember the... Oh, the, you're getting a call. Okay, sh- shut your fucking uh, mouth. Yeah, you watch your mouth, Gary. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome <laughs> to the Gentleman's Dojo. He is under the weather. We still appreciate yes. him bucking up. Mr. Jim Lee, everybody. Hello. Jim, how you doing, bud? Hey. How you guys doing? Good. Thank you so much for calling in. I know you're sick. We still appreciate you taking the time. We're not going to keep you too long, but we're... Kevin Christie is to my left. He did the... Uh, he's done so much artwork uh, for, like, rock bands, Kings of Leon, uh, The Strokes. He did my cover art for Champion for my last special, and he's a huge comic fan, so we have him joining us as well as uh, Gary Cannon. And and as an as a artist that Kevin is, we thought we'd let him kick it off with uh, the first question here. Uh, sure. First first of all, thank you for doing this. Uh, second of all, you're a legend, obviously. <laughs> Uh, you know that probably. I hope. I Every mean, like morning a, when I wake up, I go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that I honestly hope you do do that every day. Like I want. I have. A, I my question is: Do you have a sense of like the ripple effect that your drawings have had on just like the drawing landscape of like probably the world in general? That like how many people have probably decided to start drawing? Or gotten really psyched about drawing stuff because of looking at your art. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, when I go to conventions or uh, store signings, a lot of uh, fans come up and say, hey, I, I got into the arts or I'm an art director now or I work at this video company because of the comic books um, that you drew back in the day. So that's actually the highest compliment, uh, you know, I think anyone can receive. It's not so much that you're this legend or something, but that um, the work you did had some effect on a kid and kind of, you know, opened their eyes towards, um, 
maybe a destiny or an occupation they didn't necessarily envision before, because that's certainly what comics did for me um, when we moved to the United States. Uh, you know, there weren't these big CGI movies. I mean, this is comics were the only place you could find this kind of level of action and adventure, and um, it really, uh, um, you know, when we came here to America, I was born in Korea. Uh, I didn't know any English, and I, I'm pretty much 100% sure that comics was a gateway drug for me to like kind of learn the <laughs> language, so I could understand what all these stories were that I was that I was buying at the time. So uh, classic yeah, Asian, you don't watch powerful. TV, you read. <laughs> Very nice work, Jim. Yes. <laughs> no, I made a list of things. <laughs> oh that my God, I, Kevin does have a Christmas list. I here. made a list of things I learned to draw by copying your comics. I'm gonna read it really quick. <laughs> Wolverine, X-Men type, biceps, triceps, hands, fists, claws, laser beams, perspective via Cyclops' laser, eyes, eyebrows, wrinkled foreheads because of death blow, boobs, <laughs> uh, butts, male and female butts, abs, hair, Batman's head and cape, and the bat symbol. So, Dude, that's an amazing list. I, I, every time you mention one, I saw the visual uh, male, female butts, all that. I was, flashed <laughs> in my eyes. I was waiting to hear male, male bulge. <laughs> yeah, Didn't I hear mean, that. yeah. Yeah. I'm doing that more now than I used to. Uh, you know, but, it's a different uh, time. It's a different you, time. you got to get all the audiences. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you as a comic, uh, on behalf of all three comedians here, um, you know, they always say it takes you 10 years to develop your voice as a comedian. Um, and, you you know, you go down the line and you say Aziz, you know his voice. You say Larry the Cable Guy, you know his voice. As an artist, when did you discern your voice as an as an artist when when did you know that you have the jim lee look or the jim lee artistry where anybody could go into a comic book store nowadays and look at the cover of justice league or any one of the titles that you've worked on and go oh that's jim lee when did you discover your voice oh uh well hmm, that's a good question man uh I, I think the style i have though is really the summation of all the guys i loved growing up but there was definitely a moment I think I just started working on the X-Men, uh, where I was still looking at a lot of my influences, <laughs> like pulling out the comics I loved, and like, oh, here's this great shot, I can use this for reference, or here's some inspiration for this splash page or this cover. And I realized if I just did that, I would always be known as sort of the clone or the best guy that kind of did this other person's style. So I made a, you know, uh, made a very conscious effort at one point, it must have been in the uh, uh, late 80s, very early 90s where I just put away all my comics, all my reference, and just kind of said, well, there's got to be some inner style that's just me. Uh, let it come forth. I know it's influenced by all these other guys, all these other artists. Um, but, uh, you know, let, let, let me decide uh, as, I draw, as I'm drawing this. No more crutches, so to speak. And out of that came, uh, I think, the style that people kind of recognize as being mine uh, in the 90s. But even then... I was very aware of the fact that a lot of my, you know, a lot of artists kind of fall in this trap where they their styles never evolve and change. And and not that mine has changed dramatically, but over the decades, I've looked at other people that have kind of come onto the scene and 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 kind of made a splash. And so I always try to kind of open myself to influ other influences and allow that stuff to inform my work, so that even when I'm drawing now, um, it's slightly different proportions. I'm I'm using less cross hatching. A lot of uh, experimenting more with like uh, brushes and things like that. So just, you gotta you gotta make sure that you're you're open to new influences. Otherwise, you, you know that's the death knell for for any artist. Is really once you've established the style you guys are talking about, that right. these comedians or artists, whoever, they they can't stop there. I mean, especially when when you've hit success with it, because that's the 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 ultimate trap, right? Is that you become trapped by the success, and you get scared to kind of evolve and change, and um, therein lies the problem. I'm, I noticed, at least from my perspective, a lot of your use of, like, light has changed over the years. Whereas, like, the early X-Men stuff was a lot about musculature, whereas now there's a lot more, like, drama, I would say, or in, like, your use of light and shadow and stuff like that. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, trying to always uh, um, mess around with lighting, um, even proportions uh, is a big thing. Uh, I did this uh, cover. It was a Flash anniversary where the Flash appeared in all these other covers, and I drew basically 
an homage to a cover I drew where Superman was kind of choking Batman's neck, and the Flash kind of shows up in the background. He's planting like uh, these peace flowers in everyone's ears. I'm not sure exactly what the point of the cover was, but <laughs> when I drew it, um, I, I found the original uh, copy of the original uh, cover, and I, and I traced it um, to, as a starting point. And said, "Wow, my proportions are so different. I, you know, I draw characters a little longer, not as, as stout and, and blocky, and um, then even like the lighting that you're talking about, try to." Um, you know, again, you're learning new things every day, every year, and you just add them to your repertoire so that you're not necessarily repeating yourself, even if you are picking some of the similar angles or covers that uh, kind of people have seen before. There's so many different ways you can light things and render them, and um, you know, even the uh, the uh, proportions like what I was talking about. All those things are very subtle things that people don't realize they're seeing when they look at the image but has a very profound kind of impact on, on their enjoyment. Of it. Yeah, they seem like small things, but even like putting combat boot treads on Batman's boots. <laughs> yeah, that's... A, like, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. totally different, and it makes you <laughs> think me. of yeah. him differently. And and, and when yeah. you when you have to... When you make that commitment to putting the treads on the boot, then when you go down the line, are you like by page 48, you're like, God, why did I put the... <laughs> I, why? why did I do this to myself? Because I had to draw uh, all the treads. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of those moments. Uh, when we launched the new 52, I had a lot more detail under the Flash's costume, Superman's costume, Batman, and certainly when I was drawing all those characters in Justice League by the third issue or so, you're like, oh, what a numbskull. <laughs> I was like, there's a reason why these costumes are simple. It's because they had to draw them over and over. Right. In video games, they can create super complicated costumes because they just create it once and boom, they can use it over and over throughout the game. But um, I, I feel like... Um, uh, and the funny thing is, when I'm drawing those treads on that, that I, I didn't really realize that that's what people would pick up on. That's the funny thing about, you know, working in isolation. You're just drawing that because, like, hey, I don't want Batman to slip on rainy rooftops. Or yeah. Rooftops. <laughs> like, he can run now. One, like, he runs. Loafer soles. Like, how does that work? Because they're slippery as hell, right? So it's like, oh, well, okay, I'll create some treads. And uh, um, and then you create it there, and then you go, oh, you know, I've got to be consistent. So you keep going back and forth. And, uh, um yeah, and then that's what people kind of pick up on. And the, the funny thing is, really was an afterthought, just kind of as you're drawing the image, like, oh, I can, um, you know, add this uh, um, bit of realism there. So It really changes the whole, but it, it's interesting, something that small can change the whole thing, where you're like, oh, he's tougher. Like, and you're, oh, he can run on wet street, whereas before you're like, <laughs> I don't buy this running. Like, right, it's too, exactly. you're like, with those little booties, there were booties before, and now yeah. you're like, oh, they're boots. Right. It's so like they Bryce... were literally the soles of like loafers and stuff like yeah. dress shoes back in the 70s and 80s. And that's the one thing I remember, you know, one of my uh, um, big heroes was uh, Neil Adams. Um, oh, and, uh, you know, he drew everything so realistically. But then the shoes, I was like, wait, these shoes are slippery because I have some <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Uh, not just on rainy rooftops, but anyway. I got to ask you, how is, you know, if you go in any, you know, you, you go down the street here in Hollywood, magazine stands used to be all over the place when I was, when I first moved here, and now they're they're all vacated, they're all gone, and they always talk about the decline of print, the decline of the newspaper. It, it seems like comics is the one industry where it really hasn't affected, has the decline in sales of print affected comics at all or because i go to comic book store on wednesday it's jam-packed and it seems like yeah. comics are like sports on cable where they talk about the decline of ratings on television these days but sports events will be the one that's impervious are, are comics impervious to the, the decline of sales is that something that you would uh you know i think the overall number might have come down but because comics are pricier now or more expensive than they were years ago. The total number of dollars is, is probably more robust or health, as healthy as ever. Mm -hmm. um, digital is a part of that as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, when we launched New 52, what, four years ago, um, we saw huge spikes, double digits in print and triple digits in, in digital. So that was pretty unusual given that most of the print business around us were, were disappearing um, or trained back. But I think partly, one, like we don't have, we're not like magazines were not run by advertising. I mean, we have some in there, but it's really the sales that, that, that um, provide all the revenue. And then we have the benefit of all these amazing movies and TV shows um, that has really just elevated the superhero mythology into uh, the zeitgeist so that, I mean, everyone knows who these characters are and everyone's wearing T-shirts and everyone's got these tattoos. And um, so that's like amazing publicity for what we do. 
Um, that said, I think we could do a better job of converting the people that love the games and the comic, or the uh, TV shows and movies and get them into the, the comic goodness. But uh, I think you know, most people, like what's cool about comics is if you're really into these characters, you know that this comics was the source of inspiration and all mm-hmm. the stuff you're seeing on the screen started somewhere in a story and maybe they're mashups or algamations uh, of different stories. But uh, it's cool to go back and, 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 and be the... the nerd of nerds uh, <laughs> who uh, can say, hey, that's from issue 221, and that blue tread is from Batman Hush, and, and someone's ringing the doorbell here at the house. So anyway, so... Um, it's an impressive doorbell. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's great. I mean, it, things are going really well, and, and obviously we have Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, and anytime the trailers drop, I mean, we see huge spikes in sales of the, of the uh, underlying you know, print material, uh, we saw a huge spike in preacher sales just from the trailer that they right in that, on uh, AMC, I think, right? That, yeah, so uh, it, it it's been going really great. I mean, is there a better time to be involved in in comics than right now? Prior to maybe World War II, when the comics were everywhere and it was so popular, but now with the impact of, like you said, film and TV and all that stuff, I mean, I, comics have never been bigger. Is that is along the pantheon of of the decades that comics have been part of our lives, is there ever been a better time? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe the early '90s when print sales were crazy through the roof. Um, certainly for comic book creators uh, who were making royalties off those sales. Right. Um, but no, I, this really is the golden age because uh, so much. If you love this stuff, uh, the technology and, and, and the money's there now to bring these to life in, in ways that just were. Uh, impossible before, or just uh, were very cheesily done before, and now you can really see these characters brought to life. So they're ima- uh, it's it's incredible. In fact, I think there's more stuff than you could possibly consume at this point if you're a superhero fan, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, just the stuff on TV alone is is, is, is so many hours of, of, of the week, and then the comic books on top of it, and the video games on top of that. So yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely the golden age. Um, and the fact that my parents now know what I do for a living. It's <laughs> a big bonus. Like they go, that's what you were spending all that time in your room for. We just thought you were really strange. Because <laughs> you, you gave yourself, you know, you were studying medicine. You went to Princeton. You studied psychology. You gave yourself a year. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, at Princeton, I was a psychology major. There was no pre-med major, but I took all my pre Prerequisites. I took my uh, MCATs and everything. I had my interviews, uh, all my uh, recommendations. Um, but I told my parents, like, well, okay, I'm, I'm really interested in doing this thing that you know nothing about um, <laughs> comics that no one knows anything about. But it's got a big future. Someday there are going to be amazing movies and TV shows, and you will care then. But um, for now, uh, let me move in with you guys. <laughs> and uh, so. I said, uh, yeah. So the deal was, I, I you know, I give myself a year. Maybe I, I don't know if I ever expressed that to them, but I certainly told myself that. So I just had a sense of, of um, urgency. And uh, in talking to other comic book creators, I, everyone has a different origin story. But but sometimes it took five or seven years. I don't know if I could have emotionally kind of weathered that. I would like to think I could, but um, you know, it, I heard it, it, it's, it's tricky. I heard a story that Brad, when I got into Art Center, I heard the story that Brad Pitt had been accepted to Art Center as an illustration major and then decided to try acting for a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's what I had been told. I don't know how true that is. It was like environmental design. He was like, I'm going to give this acting thing a try. Sure, yeah. So you're the uh, Korean Brad Pitt of comic book art. <laughs> Welcome. Well, you hear about, like, Jim, you know... You're making me cough. <laughs> he goes to Princeton. He's this talented artist. He's a very, very Korean by going to Princeton. It's like I went to Kent State University. I went to a state school. I just performed at a Mexican restaurant last night for 12 people. Jim, you make me want to sue my parents. It's not fair, and it is not right. Now, you also wrestled, though, back in the day. I remember you telling me that, right? Did, is that, yeah, I Were you did. on the wrestling I team I, or something? I wrestled in high school and maybe a year in college. Yeah, Very sadomastic. Well, I can't even say the word. I'm sick. Um, that was a very uh, unique period of my life because it, it is a grueling, tough sport. I don't, I don't even know why people get into it, but for some reason, it struck a chord in me, like that you would basically lose weight, run yourself ragged, uh, getting into shape, and then 
go on a mat and have some other guy like pound <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you weren't up to the task of pounding on him. And so, um, but uh, yeah, I was. Uh, well, you were you guys all wrestlers, or maybe you're re- dabbling in wrestling now? I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> What's some, I question here. I no. think the th- had you come in today, we were going to gre- kind of grease up, and then all oh, four okay. of us wrestle each other. But that that <laughs> sure. plan fell through. I'm sorry about that. I, I was on the, the mud pit. Is sitting here for no reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> waste, especially during a drought. The fact that we wasted all that water. I was on the tennis team, which is actually really Korean in California. Right. Yeah. Well, you said that out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Jim, I was the only white guy. I got to ask you: You make your money with your hands. Do you avoid certain things? Do you avoid like thumb wrestling or doing that aliens thing (laughs) where they where they do that knife trick? Is that you like my left hand? Uh, (laughs) No, no, I I don't. But there was one only one time in my career that I was very concerned, like aware that like oh you know if I break my hand or something happens I'm really screwed. And that was in the early '90s when I was at Marvel. And uh, I had gotten an assignment to do X-Men number one, and uh, we knew we were going to do five covers, and X-Force had sold like three and a half million copies, and Spider-Man had sold like two million copies. Jeez. And they were sl- thinking that we were going to sell like five million plus or something like that. Or maybe X-Force sold five million at the time, and Spider-Man sold three million. A lot of those Some crazy numbers. So I knew I that uh, <laughs> I got this gig, whatever, and um, but I had to draw it still, right? And But I knew like if something happened. So I'm very conscious of reaching out to doors that swing both ways with my right <laughs> hand because if there's some guy on the other side yeah. and they're running full sprint, because I've done that, where they slam the door, like just I just imagine my fingers getting like pushed back into my palm, right? And then... Like, uh, if I ran a yellow light, <laughs> I put my hand, like, near my head, like, oh, like, off the steering wheel? Like, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what that would do, like, but that, the idea that, that uh, it wouldn't get mangled if some car hit me. Like, yeah, I thought keep about it away it. from the windshield. Like, I stopped doing that, because, like, let's stay focused on this. You've got you to gotta make sure that you draw at least the first issue. <laughs> so. Jim should always wear those, like, uh, hand braces, like the waitresses at IHOP. Yeah, yeah. Constantly no, I, wearing. I, I, have, I have not, but I've worn back braces and, and shoulder. I mean, it's, just it's constantly like a... wearing those <laughs> <laughs> to bed. Um, I would have still drawn. I would have drawn with my left hand yeah. or uh, or with my mouth. I've seen documentaries where people. I mean, it's the talent, right? Is supposedly in your head. It's just that you're you're most used to drawing or expressing your thoughts with your right hand because of hand wow. coordination. Yeah, it's really your eyes and your brain. And, yeah, and now I you. Think... With you being a DC, you're on the precipice of of unfolding and seeing all the characters you draw, you know, on a daily basis come to life on the big screen. What what is it like to know? And I'm sure you know the storylines. I'm sure you've seen maybe some cuts of things. But what is it like as an artist to see the things you do on a daily basis that that all of a sudden, as every red blooded American man is so excited to see Batman versus Superman? and see what unfolds as we've heard with the Justice League being rolled out. You're right there in the midst of all that. How, how do you feel about seeing all your characters come to life and, and knowing in 120 minutes they're encapsulating everything you do uh, and provide for us on, on a monthly basis? Uh, it, it's, it's an awesome honor. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think... Uh, of the characters I created, Hush was uh, he was in a bunch of the video games, Batman, Lego, and Arkham. Sorry, uh, I think he even showed up on the Gotham TV show. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, and then I think Gambit is theoretically coming out as a movie sometime in the next year or two. A character I co-created, yeah, Marvel with Chris Claremont. So um, it, it's 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 cool. I mean, on the other, but at the same time, I didn't get into comics to see that adaptation come to life. I, you know, the fun I had long, you know, again decisions I made a long time ago, like, am I going to just do this, or is this a gateway, or is this a stepping stone to directing or doing animation? Or, and I said, no, no, this, this is, my love is comics, I love the storytelling, I love sitting down, physically drawing these uh, stories, and uh, I, I kind of decided then and there uh, that that's what I wanted to be, uh, a comic book artist. Um, that said, when you see it, brought to life it's amazing i mean you know how could it not i mean when you visualize this stuff most of the time you've got it and you're pretty good in your head like oh this is pretty cool like when this guy uses his powers boom you see it but then sometimes particularly in the video game space they can go and do these special effects that are like almost three-dimensional like these like runes (laughs) you know it's hard to describe but uh, 
you know, verbally, but they're able to take what you draw in a 2D space and uh, uh, visualize it three-dimensionally, and then you add the sound in and then the, the ground shutter and all those other co- kind of cool things that you can't really express in 2D illustrations, and they bring it to life in different ways. And it's just, it's another facet. It's another way of enjoying it. So yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm as big a fan as anyone else, so it's amazing when you see the stuff brought to the big screen, and I'm thankful that um, it's able to touch and influence so many more people than just the print comics um, because it's an easier medium, in my opinion, to kind of take in. It's more of a passive thing. You sit down and you, you go on this journey of this ride um, because it's, it's, it's good for our core business. So, uh, yeah, I mean, how can you not uh, be thankful? And, and uh, it's really cool to see that stuff. Nice. I mean, Jimmy, you know it's crazy? For, for everything that you've done in this this portfolio and this huge resume that you have I know that I speak for comics you know obviously comics have you know a goal of what they want and what would fulfill their career whether it's like you know playing Madison Square Garden or being on the Tonight Show whatever that is but what what is it that you want to do that you haven't done yet I mean if, if there's anything but what you know what's out there that you know that you would still love to accomplish if if there was one thing yeah wow that's a great question um Gosh, uh, that, uh, there's a, a bunch of stuff I've already done that, you know, mostly involved my parents. Like, uh, you know, Steve was there. So I met Steve. He was gracious <laughs> enough to be the host for uh, this uh, Korean-American magazine, and, and they kind of honored me uh, at the end of the year. And so I had my parents there, and I was able to kind of, <laughs> you know, talk to them and, and kind of express how I felt about how their impact on me and, and do that in a very public form. And so that was really cool to have that kind of moment. People were all dressed up, right? So it was like, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty cool because I always feared that when I got into comics, like there would never be a moment where they would either see that success in me or that I would be able to thank them in a public way. I mean, like comics was really an underground kind of business back then you, you the creators are fairly invisible you didn't know where to find anyone you didn't know how to communicate with these people that's pre-internet of course so um, um I, I just imagined that i would be literally living in a house working in my bedroom uh and and that would be the extent of my career and i was cool with that because that was my passion right but there was all these other things i thought about that i thought well maybe this will never happen kind of thing so that was cool to do that but beyond that, uh, a lot of the stuff I, I have on my checklist really don't uh, hesitate to say this, but don't necessarily hinge upon the art side or the business side of it. So like having you know a loving wife and the kids and and being able to make a living doing what I love. I mean, so those are all things I've accomplished. The so. wife and kids nice. must be sitting there. Yeah, That's why for, sure. That. <laughs> for sure, for sure, Jim, tell us but your no, answer it, when it, they it, leave. It, it's critical. Look, if you're going to spend crazy My hours wife. working, you've got to have someone with your back. And, and if you're going to have a family, you've got to have someone that yeah. you can count on if you're not there or able to, to you know. Well, Gary can't relate. He he has five cats, I think. <laughs> right, right. It's not the same thing. I've got, I've got a cat and two dogs. <laughs> Nowhere close. <laughs> When you when you first hit like your your first big check or or the money's rolling in and and you still have the mindset of like being like a starving artist, what was that first thing you spoiled yourself with? Where you're like, you know what, it's daddy's turn. Uh, wow. Um, prob- probably uh, I'm into cars, so I, I bought a, a, a Acura NSX yeah, back in the day. So good. that was like a, a big car. I was like 92, I think. <laughs> right? That's awesome. Uh, that was a hot car in 92. It was a hot car. It was a hot car. It yeah. uh, rivaled the Ferrari. I put this quotation like that around rivaled. Um, <laughs> you could get it was a, a Viper car, back then. And uh, I think it was like 62500 Nice. And, uh, in today's yeah, money, that's like $600,000. The yeah, 90s yeah, were depressed time. Much, very close. Steve yeah. just bought a Fiero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well... They, you know, Fieros look very similar. They, I, I like those hot. two. I like those two. I, I'm not a snob. I like, I like, you know, the funnest car I had before my daughter uh, destroyed it total was a BMW 335 diesel, which had low end, great low end torque, handled super well, and uh, was a lot of fun to drive. Nice. Hey, well, can I ask you, I want to ask you more with it. So, hey, Jim, what advice would you have for somebody who's young, starting out, wants to be 
just like you in that in that same situation like you know when you're a comic and you're starting out you can look at other people and say that's what I want that's how I want to get to it there's open mics to go to same with a musician but like how what, what advice would you have for somebody just starting out that wants to be where you are right now yeah uh, that's that's great <laughs> another great question um so when I started out I just uh I just made up my idea of how what it would take to get in, like, oh, well, I, I should draw samples. I should show them I could do the stuff that they hire people for. I'll draw, I, I started drawing like 24 pages, and then I would mail those off. I said, that's a lot. Maybe I can just trim it down to three, you know, or six. Or It kept getting smaller and smaller, to, and then I realized I, I just need to show them a snippet. of. I did, they don't need to see this 24-page, you know, magnum opus kind of great story. They, they just need to know that I can draw and I can tell a story. Um, and and I, I would mail out like 20 packets at a time to all these small publishers where I could find uh, you know find the addresses of their operations in the comics themselves. Uh, so it was a really analog and very time consuming. But I would say looking at the business now, I mean it's all internet, right? right. I mean you can now reach out to your favorite creators, your f- favorite editors, and probably say eight times out of ten, certainly in comics because it's a pretty small business, make contact with them. Um, and uh, through DeviantArt.com, it's a great site to host artwork on, you can get your artwork shown to a pretty big audience. And then even if you were to get rejection from the publishers, you could just self-publish. You just either write your own stories or you find a like-minded person online or at a comic book shop that's got ideas or a comedian that's got ideas and he's looking for time to kill because, you know, writing is writing. And at the end yeah. of the day... Um, uh, what I tell young people is just do it. Just like create, like don't worry about getting paid for it right away because you're not going to get paid for it. Um, go ahead and create a strip and, and, and it's just like working out. Once you start doing it, you become stronger and better and you learn from all your, your mistakes and your, your, your first attempts. And, and then eventually you get to the point where you're good and either then you could self-publish or someone will hire you. I mean, I, I, I think we're pretty good as an industry of finding people that have ability and talent. If they want to work in comics, they will get hired. Um, it's just uh, the timing of it. Um, I don't think there are people out there that, that have amazing talent that want to work in comics that aren't at this point. Um, so um, that would be my advice. Um, well, we're going to close this out by asking just three questions that fans have submitted us. Um, and then we'll, we'll let you get on your way. But this first one is, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, from Azio Rivera, he asked, how has Superman and Batman managed to stay relevant after all these years? Wow. Um, yeah. So it's what, 76 years for, for Batman, 77 for Superman. I think, I think the trick is the, the fact that they are, um, created within a collaborative shared universe, right? If it was one car- one creator and, they never shared those creations. Um, who's to say where they would be? Um, the fact that you basically had generations of some of the best combo creators working on Batman, and they were basically adding to that mythology every every decade. You know, new costumes, new gadgets, new sidekicks, uh, right. new mythologies, new villains. That's what keeps these characters fresh, um, and it keeps them timely because everything that's created is going to reflect the era that in which they were created, right? I mean, there was back in the forties, Superman fought Hitler and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the Japanese and, 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 um, uh, in the sixties, there's a lot of radioactive storylines where characters were getting powers from radioactivity. A lot of the weird kryptonites that, that emerged in mythology came during that era because people didn't understand really the impact of radiation on people's physiology, right. and their mindset. So, I mean, you saw that, the whole Marvel universe is traded on, the, on that, basically that that fundamental kind of supposition that, that radiation can change you in ways. Um, so uh, that's a that's a big part of it. But I think that the key is that all these great, amazing creators, every generation, have kind of stood on the shoulders of the of the of the creators before them, who stood on the shoulders of the creators before them, and have kept this enterprise going forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, and then I think also. Being first makes a big, big impact too. The fact that you know Batman was the first sort of pretty dark character, and Superman was the first superhero. So, right, um, those are the two biggies. 
And um, this is from Alan Mattis. Uh, what was your favorite book or title to work on? Oh, uh, gosh. Um, you know, I'll say I'll start Batman and Robin. Uh, you know, not everyone loves it as much as, like, Hush. Uh, but it was my chance to work with Frank Miller. And Frank, uh, you know, I was a senior in college in 86, and that's when Dark Knight Returns came out 30 years ago. Actually, next next year, 30 years ago. <laughs> and uh, that was the book that, that kind of opened my eyes to the potential of the medium. I kind of got bored with comics when I was in college. There was all these other distractions, <laughs> uh, good distractions. Um, but but when I saw that book, I said, wow, this is so different from anything I read as a kid because uh, it was you know, hand-colored and the binding was square-bound. And then the narrative was just much more hard-hitting and edgy and uh, you know, felt more like art with a capital A. And, and that's what really inspired me to finally take the, the leap into, into comics because it's something I'd thought about jumping into ever since I was like 12 years old. I just didn't know how to do it or couldn't pull the trigger and kind of go against my parents' wishes and do something besides going into medicine. Right. Um, this one is from Carlos Roberto Franco. What is the hardest project you've had to work on? Uh, probably, probably I'll start that. Excuse me, because I was working with, you know, my idol. I mean, you know, it's Frank Miller, and and uh, Frank is a great writer, but he's also a great storyteller and great artist. So every time I read a panel description, I immediately could visualize how he would hand, handle it, and it would be this big kind of bold you know, in your face, black and white image. And, and then I was like, ah, but I can't do that because that's, you know, I, they hired me, not Frank, to draw this. And then I'd almost have to consciously think of what I would, you know, kind of put that away and do what I would do. Right. Which wasn't as good. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but so there was, it was a lot of, like, second-guessing early on. But then once I got past that kind of initial kind of um, concern um, or hesitation, uh, it, it got a lot uh, freer and a lot more fun right well that's awesome uh, do you have any closing thoughts kev um i just I, honestly i i do notice and i wanted to say this that you you can tell by the way you still draw now and the work you do now that you're still super fired up to make oh, yeah, comics yeah. and i think I, I, and 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 for someone yeah. who's been doing it as long as you have i that's kind, that's a pretty big deal when you think of the number of things you've drawn it's thousands and thousands and thousands and so to be able just to tell from looking at like a sketch you put on Instagram that like, no, you're still fired up. It's pretty awesome. And I think it's, you know, it's rare. It's rare in any art form for someone to still be that excited. And it's great. It's Thank just you. great to see, you know, uh, that's, that's an extremely kind compliment. Thank I'm you. I'm a really much. good person. So. <laughs> hey, hey, Steve, before we go though, Steve, yeah. do you have your phone on you by chance? I do. Yes. Okay. I'm going to send you this. So I got this. Uh, no, Steve, you, all right, let's see if this goes through here. Did it okay. go? While we're waiting, Gary, do you want to say something? <laughs> well, I was... No, so, uh, no, anyway, so I know that... Um, oh, yeah, I went through. Right. Was it via email or... No, I sent you it uh, via text. Oh, no, it's still sending. All right, so go ahead okay. if you have something. I, I was going to ask, uh, Jim, if you could do us a favor and draw Steve as a superhero, and his superpower was selling tickets at comedy clubs. Okay, Gary. <laughs> that would be his... Unbelievable. Steve's Gary actually posted a question on this on this thing on this thing on Facebook where everybody's asking these kind questions to Jim and then uh, Gary said uh, to me my question is for you Steve would you ever consider doing a sitcom <laughs> unbelievable hey Jim you know what you should do you ever go down to like the third street promenade in Santa Monica and there's those guys there like designing the caricatures do you ever yeah. just like <laughs> you should just go right next to him like draw your own and then just be like ruin the lives you, of an right, right 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 you should be like here you go bitch and then just hand him a picture of something oh, Jim, you've done this is sick dude <laughs> i i have thought about that but usually at six flags oh you do it at six <laughs> flags like, yeah but no those guys are really good the disneyland that's, that's people a, are legit good yeah and and there's a whole different skill set of drawing likenesses i'm not so good at that yeah. jim thank you so much for drawing this i i just got the text Oh, this yeah. is unbelievable. That so, is so but awesome. It's not quite done. My, so little, some details. I was doing it while we are talking. Well, I have to tell you, my son <laughs> My son, his name is, is Kent, actually. But you, but you put something in there. But, but I named my son Kent. Oh, after, I thought you said you named him Clark. Well, no, no. I named him Kent. But oh. I, I think you could. <laughs> I don't know if you can, but, but I, I named him Kent because I grew up as such a huge fan of the original 70, right. uh, of the uh, Richard Donner film. 
and Christopher Reeve just embodied everything about Midwestern principles and the way I feel like a man should conduct himself. And for me, when I was growing up selfishly, and I, I feel like such a nerd saying this, but I, I feel like it's, a, it's the proper venue to say this. As much as I love Superman, Clark Kent was always the bigger hero to me because he was able to do all these things and it was suppress those things and just, he was the foil to Superman. I just, I don't know, to me, Kent embodies everything that is American and I appreciate it. And I, I can't even, can't even begin to thank you for drawing that. <laughs> it's no, no, like, no I, I've, I haven't done the whiteout yet. On it. Like I said, it's not finished. So oh, that's an easy correction and then I'm going to put the nerd glasses back holy on him cow. and a necktie and then it'll be... <laughs> No, no, no. This is unbelievable because Superman is everywhere all over my house. Actually, <laughs> yeah. in my garage because my wife makes me put it out there. But right. Superman, sure, sure, Superman no. everywhere. Um, I love... Thank you later. Like, oh, you could have gotten me a drawing of a reporter, but instead you got me a drawing. No, 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 no. My son is named after this mythological character that is such a part of Americana. And you yeah. are as revered, I believe, as any of these comic book heroes that we look up to. And I cannot thank you enough for the time you took to spend with us, especially knowing you're under the weather. I just, on behalf of all the fans, right. we love your work. Thank yeah, you so much. And hey, thank you guys. Uh, yeah. We can't thank you enough, Jim. Get get better soon, pal. All right. All right. Take care. Thank Thanks, you, Jim. Take care, buddy. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye. You got to tell what the you got to tell the audience what this is. I mean, because so this, Jim, this is great. Uh, maybe two years ago, he came to the set of Sullivan and Son. And he actually watched the show, being uh, Korean. He actually <laughs> did watch the show. <laughs> and so he uh, he came to the set, hung out, took pictures with everybody, and he gave me a copy of Hush, and he drew a sketch of Batman in it. And, it, it, like, I got to my car, and I was staring at it for a good 10 minutes. And then he just sent me a text of a picture he drew for my son, mm -hmm. and it is Superman busting out of the chains. And, like, literally a single tear is going to come out of my eyes it's just unbelievable knowing that you know just even as a guy that goes to the comic book stores on wednesdays and you pick up his titles and then to know that he was kind enough to do something like that even for my kid is just well, unbelievable funny. I mean, you look what at a great guy creative he is i mean just like with his hands and then you look at you and your hands are covered in lotion so I mean, it's just like this guy. That is just you Gary, just took it you're to great. An you're awful great place. at ruining things. Oh like, really? Your superpower is, is if is, you had a comic book, it'd be the ruiner of moments. Good. God, Gary. Sorry about that single tear. You we'll edit this me, out. Remind me so much of the Holocaust that it's uncanny. Never again. Hey, listen, don't yell at me because nobody's listening to your podcast. Uh, oh God, well. Gary, you are the worst. Well. <laughs> to yell at you, I'd have to go to your basement, so I don't know how to do that. Well, why did this turn ugly all of a sudden at the last you minute? You did this. Which warm-ups did you look up to growing up? <laughs> you did this, dude. Um, I well. would just like to say that uh, Jim Lee legit changed my life as a young person. Like, for real. Like, I picked up those comics and was like, wait, I want to be one of these dudes. Yeah. Well, we talked comics before at the Comedy Store, Kevin, you and I, yeah. and the minute that Jim committed to this, I said, I got to get Kevin on, because I knew as a comedian and as an artist, you would appreciate this. So that is the He's end the of the Gentleman's Dojo here today. We got to thank our good pal, Kevin Christie. Kevin, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kevin G. Christie. My podcast is called Occasionally Awesome. It's on the All Things Comedy Network. I'm also on the show Masters of Sex. Awesome. It's called Success, Gary. Look Show's it up. coming up. <laughs> Show's coming up. It's called Show's Success. Coming. I'll be at the Punchline December 28th and 29th. He headlines. Uh, just the two nights. He works. Just you... the two nights. Is that a Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, I'm going to be... Uh... <laughs> I love those off nights. Ah, <laughs> uh, you are the worst. <laughs> it's rare you meet a legitimately bad person. Yeah, absolutely. At love Canon you, Comedy, Casey. right? Uh, this guy's good, man. <laughs> I still Don't believe forget. that. I still completely believe that. Check him out on those off nights. <laughs> He'll be co-featured. At Canon Comedy. <laughs> all things comedy. Uh, oh, guys, good stuff. keep the reviews coming yep. in on iTunes. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in. You never answered the question if you were going to do a what? sitcom. Fuck off, Gary. All right. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Co-featuring is so funny. <laughs>